If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hi again. This is Heather Bayer. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and I'm glad, very glad to be back with you again. So, as ever, weather report. God, it's cold. It's cold. It's April and it's snowing. I've just about had really, really, really enough of this. Um, It's time for spring. They keep telling us that the first day of spring has passed and we've passed April Fool's Day. It snowed on April Fool's Day. And that was for real. So I guess summer will be coming soon. However, it's only uh, seven weeks now to uh, the Vacation Rental Success Summit in San Antonio. And I am totally looking forward to that because I know it's going to be warm in San Antonio. That's for sure. Hopefully not too warm. Hopefully we're all going to be able to get out and enjoy the cruise around the river on the cruise around the river walk, which is um, which is part of your ticket price. You get to go on the river cruise, which I think is a really really neat thing to do. I've done it a couple of times now, and I absolutely love it. There's some great history there, and the uh, the guides are just amazing, and just a really nice thing to do after a you know after a really productive day at all the workshops and seminars. You get to have a drink, you get to go on the river walk, come back, network like crazy and be ready for the next day. I'm doing this pitch up front this time. Usually I leave it to the end, but I know I'm not sure how many people hang on to the end. So the pitch up front is if you're still on the fence about buying your Vacation Rental Success Summit tickets, let me know. Send me an email at heather at cottageblogger.com and I'll send you a discount code. And it's a nicely generous discount code because I really want you there. Okay, today we are talking Airbnb. And one of the reasons is that, I've said this before, I need to get more knowledge about Airbnb. I know I'm, people say, well, there's no difference between vacation rentals and Airbnb rentals. It's all rentals. It's all people going and booking a place for, uh, booking a home for a stay and the owners earning money from it and being hospitable and all that. But, you know, there's there's still... I think, a really big, big divide between those owners who have been active on HomeAway and VRBO and TripAdvisor, uh, going back to FlipKey, you know, for all these years, and what the Airbnb experience is about. Now, my sister, I've mentioned her before, she used to have vacation rentals. She used to have properties that she rented out. She now, she sold those and she now rents out the basement of her of her home on Airbnb and she is amazingly successful she can't believe it i can't believe how successful it was through the winter because here am i with my property management company struggling a little to get anybody outside of you know to come outside of toronto to a a, a house rental And there she is um, having to turn people away because she needs the occasional day off. So I really want to get into the Airbnb 
experience as a host and and find out what is it all about, what's being done differently on Airbnb that maybe some owners who have been doing traditional vacation rentals for a long time could learn from. So today's guest is actually a former Airbnb employee, which I think is uh, is really, really neat. So I can talk, to, I'm talking to him about that and the experience of working at the company itself. And having left Airbnb, he became uh, a property manager and started his own property management company. And he's also written a book called Optimize Your Airbnb and offers all sorts of services to Airbnb hosts. So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with Daniel or Danny Rustine. So I'm delighted to have with me today, Danny Rustine, who has written the book, Optimize Your Airbnb. Now, Danny's been in the business, in the Airbnb business for a few years now. And the exciting thing about Danny is that he really has in-depth knowledge because he worked for Airbnb before he broke off on his own. So we're going to be talking about uh, Danny's experiences at Airbnb and what made him start off into a in, into a completely different field from his uh, his career and to become not only a super host but a super guest and an author so i'm delighted to welcome danny rustine good morning hi heather thanks so much for having me and hi to the cottage blogger community you are in one of my favorite places in the world, Costa Rica, today. So tell me what it's like in San Jose. I'm in San Jose, Costa Rica. Yep, if, if any of your followers know it, I'm in the Escalante neighborhood right by San Pedro. And I really like it. I don't – I'm here. I'm not doing the, the touristy thing. I like to go to a neighborhood and really get immersed in it. So I'm here for two weeks only, which is actually short for me. But I just wanted to dip my toes in. Uh, it's on the way to Colombia, which I'm heading to uh, in a few weeks. But I really like it. The people are friendly. The prices are a lot cheaper than I thought. People said it was very expensive, and the weather's been the weather in this in this whole region is great, and it continues to be great. Yeah, I wish. For my my listeners know me for my constant beefing about the weather, and I'm sure some of them wonder what what in heck I was doing ever to immigrate to Canada. And to Ontario in particular, which is renowned for not the best of winters. And here we are in April and we still have snow on the ground. And actually, there's no forecast for today. So I'm hugely envious of, um, of your location. We're going to talk about Airbnb. It's something that I haven't delved into to much of a degree. You know, I'm, I, I talk about vacation rentals all of the time, which I consider that Airbnb is still vacation rentals. But I, I, I'm sensing that there is still this huge gulf between the traditional vacation rental, you know, whole home rental in a destination and the other type of the business, which millions of people are doing, which is renting out their spaces in their homes, whether it be a room or a basement or even their whole home on Airbnb. So I'm really wanting to explore what seems to be this gulf and find out more about 
what I'm still calling after all these years, the Airbnb concept. So let's kick off by finding out a bit about your history because I, you worked at Airbnb, which makes you a perfect person to be um, <laughs> an expert on this. So tell us about the dream job that you got at Airbnb, you know, how you got it and then what transpired to cause you to leave. Sure. It was the dream company for sure. And, and the dream coworkers, but it actually wasn't the dream job. And that'll, that'll come to fruition later on in my story. But in 2013, my roommate told me about Airbnb, uh, a random conversation in the kitchen. And he, he didn't even really know what it was. It was like, when MySpace came out back in the day, people were like, I didn't really know what it was because uh, it, it was such a new concept. So I researched this and right away, I kind of, it kind of clicked for me. So I interviewed for the company and they said no. And, but when I went in, I realized, wow, the energy of this place is amazing. The, the employees, they're all like me. They're all having fun. <laughs> I need to be here. And I'm in accounting, keep in mind. So when I went to the accounting department, Equally there, people were having fun. There was no offices. People were moving around. I was like, wow, from my current job, I needed to be here. So I stayed in touch with the recruiter. And three or four months later, a different job uh, opened up in the finance department, and I got it. I was at my dream company, but I was, I'm, a, I'm a CPA by trade, a, a certified public accounting in the States. And so I'm doing accounting and never really liked accounting. Uh, was at Airbnb still the, the actual day job of accounting? So when it's all said and done, actually, at the end of my time at Airbnb, I actually didn't leave. I got fired. But when you're not passionate about a job, eventually it catches up with you. So eventually the, the fork in the road came and it's like, well, do I want to do I want to do this? this? This isn't a good fit, basically. Uh, I'm not learning. No one's benefiting from this relationship. So uh, we we split ways and it was a, it was an uh friendly friendly split you know i didn't get uh, fired for anything serious but when i walked out of the doors that monday evening uh i was actually there was two emotions well the one one emotion was well getting fired and then which i found out actually a lot of people have been fired before because i don't hide it i actually i tell people i was fired um and a lot of people say oh i was fired too and then the other emotion was uh which actually took over the negative feelings was the emotion of, ah, now I'm, I feel free. I no longer have to come in to a company I love, but do a job that I kind of hate. Yeah, I can, I can, un, I can understand that. I mean, my, my, my next question was, um, you know, before Airbnb, you were an accountant, which you've, um, you just mentioned you're a CPA. Oh, you still probably are a CPA. But when you left Airbnb, you didn't go back into accounting. There was a fortuitous set of events that happened that, that basically led me to where I am now. A few months before uh, I left Airbnb, there was a promotion, an internal promotion, where all the employees were encouraged to refer hosts to the platform. And for every host referred, you would get five, the host would get $500 and the Airbnb employee, me, would get $500. And this was announced at a, at a, at a company meeting. And when I heard this, for me, I was excited. That's a lot of money. I'm going to do this. So over the next two months, uh, I kind of focused on on getting as many referrals as I could uh, and 
when it's all said and done, I actually I left the company with about sixteen thousand dollars in Airbnb credit. I was number one in the company by far with how many referrals I got. And uh, actually, as a as a quick aside, I got so many referrals and so many and some people took notice because who is this accounting getting so many referrals? It just seems odd. I actually was hired back to the company a week a week after I was fired uh, in a contracting role in a different department, and I was doing something similar for them. And uh, after six months of that, I also finished first in that class, got the most hosts, the biggest conversion rate. The hosts made the most money for the platform. So I kind of found a new niche to be in. And through that promotion, I got in contact with a local Airbnb property manager in San Francisco. And so when I walked walked out of Airbnb on that summer evening, Monday, Monday evening, I saw a crossroads. To the left was continue, continue in my CPA route, go to another company and, and be an accountant, go to the finance department, which I could have easily done with a high salary uh, and continued my current life. Recruiters reaching out to me all the time. Actually, I get recruiters still reaching out to me. Hey, do you want an accounting job? Uh, I guess it's, it's still in demand. So that was one route. And then to the right was change everything and go into pro- Airbnb property management. So it was either do I do accounting or do I do Airbnb? I chose Airbnb. Choosing like that is like choosing something that you know is is going to be a nice steady employment. It's going to be you're going to be paid at the end of the end of every month. And yet you chose the route that it was um, you know, a little bit more um, flexible, shall we say, and and not as you know uncertain. I suppose. How certain were you that this was was really going to work for you? And in it was it was it was a very nerve wracking time for sure. Inside, I knew that there was more to me than accounting, that that my skill set was better used elsewhere, though I didn't know exactly what that was. So inside, I knew I had a chance, but it was extremely nerve wracking, basically throwing away my CPA license that I worked so hard to get and is a reputable occupation and going into Airbnb property management. So the answer is I didn't know. I, I did not know, but what I did know is I'm smart and I can work hard and I love Airbnb. And after about three months, I kind of realized, okay, this is my thing. I'm doing good here. I'm getting properties. I'm, I'm fixing this business. I was lucky enough to work for a very small, well, it wasn't actually that small. It had, uh, at the time I got there, 30 something listings and it was only one lady and she had another employee, but that employee happened to be hired by Airbnb just as when I was fired. So I took his job. <laughs> and to make to, to add to the stress level, uh, the owner of the company, she told me basically how great this employee was and how sad she is to be le- losing him. And so I'm thinking, wow, uh, I hope I can like fulfill her expectations, at, at least meet how good this guy was doing, this prior guy. Um, and I have no experience. And so over the next year, I, I, worked, I worked a ton and it was so much more fulfilling. I learned a lot. We doubled our listings, doubled our revenue. Uh, everything was good. And I, and, I, and I got confidence that, hey, I can do this. I, can kind of, I was kind of running a business at the time. She was, um, she was focusing on getting the listings. I was focusing on the processes and making sure everything runs smoothly. And I did that for a year. And then 
And then I left and I, I was going to start, I, my original plans was to start an Airbnb property management company and take over the world with it, have the biggest company in the world. But I quickly realized that I did not want to do that because property management, especially in the early days, you have to do everything. You have to, you can't travel at all. You have to be living in the city. There's all these issues and all these things to work out. And before you have enough properties where you can hire another manager, you're, you're literally doing everything. You're on call, which means you're working weekends, nights, mornings, whenever the guests have issues. Additionally, you're, you're dealing with, uh, you're, you're a double customer service agent. You're dealing with the guests, but you're also dealing with the hosts who are sometimes more needy than the guests. So I realized customer service specifically wasn't my niche and there's a lot of customer service in um, property management. So through this time, the idea of optimizations came about and I tested it. The first one I sold was for, I think it was for $5 and it took me like 45 minutes to do, uh, but the feedback was good. And so, uh, no, this was June, 2016. That's when Optimize My Airbnb, that's when the very beginnings of it started. And then through over the next two years, we're here now and I'm talking to you. Well, you just you just mentioned um, optimizations. Can you just explain what that actually means? My services I sell as Airbnb listing optimizations. But uh, no one searches for Airbnb listing optimizations. It's not really a search term yet. But what they are searching for is, how do I get more guests? How do I increase my nightly rate? How do I not spend so much time working on this or that? Uh, so an optimization is a way that you can rank high in Airbnb search by perfecting your, this, my specialized in the online aspect of Airbnb. And, and there's, there's an offline aspect too, which results in your reviews. But, and I work with that too, but I specialize on specifically how to create the perfect online Airbnb listing to convert high and rank high in Airbnb search. Okay, so you are offering those services, sort of a done-for-you type of service for people that you look at their listing and, and tell them what they need to do in order to rank higher. Yep, I have three packages now, and so it depends on which one you do, but it goes from sending you a report and you implement the changes to me actually going in and saving all your originals and, and changing everything for you on your behalf. Well, we're going we're gonna to delve into that a little bit more um, later, but I, I just wanted to, to hook into another aspect of, of your um, experience with Airbnb. So you, you've hosted guests in your own property as well, right? So I, I heard of Airbnb in January 2013. I started working at Airbnb in June of 2013, and I wanted to be a host. I knew I wanted to be a host, but at the time I'm living, I have three roommates. So, and at the time, 2013, this sounds crazy. We're not gonna have strangers in a the house. They're gonna kill us all, and then they're gonna rob us. <laughs> so this was a common thinking. So I had to convince three very different personalities to let's try this. And eventually I was able to do that. We rented out our couch mm. and uh, the most we got for our couch was $130 during the Salesforce weekend, which is a huge, a Dreamforce conference, huge Salesforce concerts in San Francisco. But uh, we started at $35 a night. And then at the end, we averaged about $100 a night for someone to literally stay on our couch. And with that money, we paid for all utilities. We paid for weekly house cleaning. We went out as a, as a house for uh, dinners. 
so it was it was fantastic. Uh, once they actually got got through the first few guests and realized they're not serial killers and and robbers. You you learned a lot from that, which no doubt you've you're taking into your business now. What what were the most valuable things that you learned from that experience of um, of having people sleep on the couch? My knowledge and thinking of this kind of excelled after I left Airbnb when I actually started working for the property management company. But through these first few years renting the couch, I remember my first setup. It was like it was like one pillow, and that was it. I don't even think I had it out when they let when they came. And then by the end of it, I had two pillows. One was firm, one was soft. I had a little guidebook. I had a bottle of water, fruit snacks. I installed a lockbox so they didn't have to coordinate with me. So it was all these it was all these typical things that Airbnb Airbnb hosts typically find out as they go through the process. And so um, what I do now is the benefit to me is I. You'd, the new Airbnb hosts don't have to go through that process anymore because I've already went through it. So uh, they can take all the knowledge that a prior Airbnb host, super host, guest, all these things have gone through and get it right away. So have you ever done a, a whole home rental? Uh, I don't own a home personally, so I have not rented out my own personal residence. But as a property manager, and I'm still a property manager now, so I, I have a uh, property management company where I re- where I remotely, 100% remotely host. I have five properties now and I never have more than five properties. Uh, and I, I have one, it's basically, it's a mansion on a hillside and then I do a room and then I do a standard house. So I have a varied, uh, varied Airbnb listings and I, I do the property management to help me with the optimization to test things and whatnot. So I've been managing whole home properties for four years. You've also stayed in numerous Airbnb properties. Um, you, you mentioned this in one of your profiles. So, so you've been staying with, with a lot of different hosts. What to you from a guest perspective defines the super in super host? What is it that stands them apart? And I know that, you know, you can get a super host status simply just from collecting the reviews and, and doing all the right things the Airbnb way. But are there certain things that stand some hosts out from others and and give them in your in your eyes the real super in superhost for me as a guest because there i've stayed in superhost listings before and some of them are great but some of them are just kind of cookie cutter listings that they basically removed all of the things people can complain about the actual superhost it depends but for me as a guest whether or not you're a superhost but more likely than not you are a superhost if you're doing this it's the hosts that get the guest acclimated to their new environment as quickly as possible. And what I mean by that is, first and foremost, the check-in is a huge pain point. I've, I've had so many bad check-in experiences. So, but that, that's kind of the easy one. Get your check-in right. But also what I mean is, tell them where the nearest grocery store is. Tell them where the nearest park is. Tell them where the nearest uh, couple restaurants are. Tell them how to use your washer and dryer, especially if it's in a different language. Tell them how to use the TV. Is there a funky way that you need to get your shower to uh, – you need to turn the handles on your shower to get a hot water? And then the transit system is also a big one if you live in a big city. How do they use the transit system, maybe even provide a transit card for them? 
You don't want your guests to get there and then have to figure out all these things. You want them up and running as quickly as possible so they can enjoy their stay as quickly as possible. How do you get this information? How best have you been getting the information when when you go to a new place? Um, is it best from a paper guide in the in the old traditional way of providing a binder with all that information? Is it a digital guest book? Is it um, the sort of um, the you're welcome style of tablet? What's what do you find best as a guest? What I find, I guess I was going to give you the, the, there's four types of hosts who do this, but I'll just skip to the end and tell you what the best host does. No, go and, ahead. Give me the four types of, of hosts. Okay. There's four types of hosts. <laughs> the first type is they have no system. They just answer questions as they come up. Uh, I'll ask, you know, a day before, Hey, well, how do you check in? That's the first host. The second host is the one who upon check-in or a few days before check-in sends you a gigantic long message that has all this information, 90% of it you don't need to know at that time. The third host uh, does the does the paper uh, house manual in the actual listing. And then the fourth host, which makes up about maybe 1%, maybe even less. I've traveled on Airbnb dozens of listings, probably 50 plus different reservations not one host has ever done the fourth way, which is the best way. And that is to communicate with the guest the information they need to know at the time they need to know it and with an electronic guidebook. And so what this does is it saves you a lot of time because if you, if you have an electronic guidebook, the guest knows all the information is in there. And when other guests ask you questions, you can update that guidebook. So what I do personally is when the guest books a reservation, I won't tell them much, especially if it's 30 days before. I'll just say simply, I'll thank them and I'll say, hey, three days before check-in, I'm going to send you a guidebook. There's going to be a link and you're going to want to read that because it's going to have all the important information. And I'll list a few, the first of which will be Wi-Fi. Everyone's interested in Wi-Fi. I'll say Wi-Fi, check-in, parking information. And then four days before check-in, because I find if I wait to three days, that's when the guests will uh, message me and say, hey, I thought you were going to send me this. So I tell them three days. I send it four days when they actually need it. The only questions I answer for guests are specific area-related questions or reservation-related questions. I know when I'm, when I'm planning to go somewhere, I tend to want to plan outings and things way, way in advance. Do you, would, would you send it to them on request if, it was, um, if, if they asked for it earlier? I wouldn't because there's the, the, so I don't put my address on Airbnb for security reasons. Yeah. Um, it, it, you can book a place six months in advance and Airbnb for some reason transmits the address sit and, and all the information. So if you have check-in information in your Airbnb guidebook that the guest now has it six months or usually the average is a month, but that's still too long, a month before they check in. So I wouldn't send it to them because they don't need to know anything of it. I would say, however, Send me your your specific questions and I'll answer them. But the guidebook specifically, you really don't need it. And for security reasons, I don't send it until four days before check-in. Okay. Can you can you tell me what sort of guidebook that you know what 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 brand you send? I set so there's there's two that I'm most familiar with. Um, Hostfully, that's the one that I officially recommend. Mm-hmm. They they seem to be really focused on electronic guidebooks. They're making changes. They've just been purchased by a PMS software system. Uh, so that's the one that I recommend hostfully. There's another one called Coral. Coral.live is the website. Um, but I recommend hostfully. That 
they're easily done. The first one is free, which is which is a bonus. The first one is free. The others you have to pay for. But it takes about 30 minutes, so set aside 30 minutes, and uh, your guests will thank you, and you will save time much more than that 30 minutes it took you to set it up. Mm-hmm. I've talked to David um, from Hostfully on the podcast before, so I, I'll, I'll put a link into in, um, into that episode for anybody who wants to um, to know a little more about Hostfully. I mean, I've, I've met him a couple of times. I think it's a fabulous product. I have a deal with him where the my hosts get a month of their pro service for free, so I can send you that link, and if they wanted to try out the pro service, they could do that free of charge for a month. Excellent, excellent. I love that. That why I wanted you to um, um, to talk about the you know your four types of hosts. Um, I was I'm really interested in that when you say number four, only one percent of hosts do that. I don't know what the number is, but for me, out of all of my travels, I have never received an electronic guidebook. So my guess is yes, it's it's one percent or less. Very few people do this, and when I when I optimize listings. Um, this way, I'd see much more listings through my optimization than the actual reservations I make. And through that, I'd say it's kind of interesting, actually. The hosts who come to me are the, the best hosts on Airbnb, who you would think don't need me, but I still provide a lot of value. The best hosts find me. I get so many – the proportion of super hosts who come to me is way higher than the proportion of super hosts on Airbnb – and the reason that is is because they're a super host for a reason. They know there's information out there. They know they can improve further. So the actual the worst hosts on there who could most benefit from me don't even look for me, never find me. So let, let's let's say we've got some new Airbnb hosts listening to this. What are the three most important things you'd advise them to do as a brand new Airbnb host? This this is a personal thing because I'm looking at, um, at buying a property in the next few months that will have a separate basement, which I'm going to do, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to strive to become an Airbnb super host myself. So I'm really interested in finding out what are the first, you know, the top three things I would need to do as a new host. Okay, I'll give you the top three things. Those are photos, your title, and your summary section. Um, but at the end of this, I'll also give some less known things because uh, I feel like I kind of repeat myself all the time. And if people have already heard me, I want to give them some other information. But the photos are the most important, the single most important thing on your listing. Some guests, a lot of guests don't even read. They don't even read a word. So you're going to want to either hire a professional photographer or a new service just came out that I have tested and I do recommend called overlooked to overbooked.com and the two is the actual number two that's the url if you don't want to hire a professional they teach you through a three-part course how to use your your smartphone camera to take the best photos and then do minor editing to those photos to have them look the best that's that's their angle and so just to clarify professional photos if the professional photographer knows what they're doing are better but you can get 80 maybe even 90% as good with the, with the newer uh, cell phones out there. So that's, that's an option. Um, the second one is your title. And I have, a, I have my most popular blog post on my website. Oh, you know what? You know what the, you know what the first thing a new Airbnb host should do? <laughs> they should go to www.optimizemyairbnb.com and read the blog. Just read one blog post. 
because I know once you read one, you'll be hooked and you'll read the rest of it. Um, but that really is, I post one blog every week with, with my secrets, but I hesitate to call them secrets because they're not really secrets. I, I share everything because my ultimate goal is to have as many successful Airbnb hosts as possible. Um, and it gets, and the reason for that is it gets a bit philosophical for me, but I really do think, um, Airbnb does a lot of good things. So, uh, that's, that's the first thing you should do. And the most popular blog post I have is called nine ways to master your Airbnb title. And so instead of going through all those nine ways, I just would refer the, refer the, uh, interested folks to that article. They'll easily find it. If you type an Airbnb title on, on Google, it might even come up. Actually, I don't know. And the third thing is text, but specifically the about this listing text. And that's the text all the way at the top of the listing, the text that you see without having to click a link to look at the other text. Now, Airbnb is making some changes on these. On some host profiles, you actually only see a little bit of this text, but you still see a little bit of it. And the proper way to do this is to write half of what you think you want to write and to use bullet points. And you want to do this because thinking from a guest perspective, a guest does not want to read a small book to get a few important facts about why they should book your listing. Present the guest with information about why they should book your listing as easily as you possibly can. And for me, I found bullet points are the best way to do that. Bullet point one, uh, rooftop balcony. Bullet point two, uh, fireplace. Bullet point three, parking. You can add some more. This kind of just is a general general overview, but that kind of is the gist of what you do. Bullet point your your sellable features. I, I would add to that because it's, it's something that I, I, I recommend that people do in the research phase before they even think about investing in a property is, is finding out what the sellable aspects of, of a, a property might be. And you can often get those. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me or not about this, Danny, but you know, as an owner, you might think that, that something is a really sellable point, but it's actually your guests that tell you what those sellable points are. And when you see the reviews of other people, other people renting out in the same area, you can actually find out what those sellable points are. Because I know in certain areas of, of Destin, say, the most sellable thing is free beach chairs. And in Nashville, let's say, one of the most sellable points is um, a designated parking space. If you've never been a guest, you've never traveled in the short-term industry, then you're probably a bit disconnected from what are actual sellable features. So in that case, I, I would I would agree with you. Um, if you only do the renting and you're and you're not thinking about this all the time, you're probably a bit disconnected, and you're you're probably right, Heather. You you might not know what your actual sellable features are. I interrupted there because it sort of just came to mind that I, I'd just been writing something about investment in vacation rental and getting out getting your head out of thinking that it's you as the owner that's going to be staying there yeah right uh, are, are you regarding your uh, blog post are you looking to invest in a new property um i've i've had six six seven properties and i'm thinking about investing in another but i've been i've been um doing some work with avalara um my lodge tax recently they've partnered with Cottage Blogger to write a number of blog posts and talk about a, a whole range of things in terms of running a vacation rental business. So, uh, so that's that's why it's front of mind at the moment. 
Oh, very neat. It's it's good timing because I just finished and posted on my blog a review of a company called Air DNA, mm-hmm. who provides rental who provides rental information for investors. They they focus on the Airbnb website, but they also pull in data from other websites. And uh, I just did a review on uh, MarketMinder, one of their one of their two products. Interesting, because um, I've interviewed Scott from um, Air DNA in the past, uh, and I just had a note from from Air DNA the other day, <laughs> suggesting I get Scott back on the show. And, and you know, that that's something that I probably haven't got time to talk about at the minute, but it's just like the, all the resources that are available for anybody wanting to get into this business are just phenomenal. When when I started, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And, and now, you know, I just mentioned Avalara Mylodge Tax. You know, if you've got accommodation taxes to pay, somebody can do that for you. Do you talk about digital guest books? There's no need to to put words into a, a paper manual anymore. You can just do it digitally. There is something for absolutely everything. Have you heard of these noise monitors where you can put in your house to preemptively stop a, a party? Yeah, noise aware. <laughs> yeah. Ex- excellent, absolutely excellent. And yes, yeah, and party squashers another one as well. Uh, we, we have uh, we have a couple of owners in our management company who use party squ- who who bought the party squasher at our we we do a conference every year so the vacation rental success summit and party squasher have um, exhibited for for the past couple of years some of the people who bought the um, the device at at the shows have said it is perfect they they love the fact that they can check to see how many devices there are going in the property at any one time or how many devices are connected. And we know that one person can probably have three or four devices easily. Um, But if you've got two people staying and 16 devices, then there is a distinct possibility that there may be um, a tad overcrowding going on. Exactly. Yeah. And before I researched these two companies and eventually reviewed both of them and put them in my book, I put my feelers out to my community and I said, hey, does anyone have experience with this, good or bad? And they're the only company that only good comments came in. I got zero (laughs) negative feedback, which I thought was incredible. I wanna give some other advice because even though I'm I'm the Airbnb expert, all of the, most of the things are specific to any platform, like the photos, the text, and the title I just said. But specific, since you asked me specifically about Airbnb, there's a few things on Airbnb that are different, and so I'll just cover a few of them. The first is cancellation policy. On Airbnb, there's flexible, moderate, and strict. And I recommend, highly recommend, that you go with flexible because what Airbnb has never stated that it gives you a boost in search with this, but based on tests they've done and, and um, things I've read uh, openly on the web, I believe that you do get a search boost if you do flexible, Also, there's really not that many cancellations, so it's really not an issue. It seems scarier than it is for a host. So my first recommendation is seriously consider a flexible cancellation policy. The next one is Airbnb allows you to specify the number of beds per bedroom. And then in a separate section, they let you specifically state how many beds are available. So a lot of hosts who have bunk beds or or even air mattresses or couches or fold-out couches, they select these in one section, but in the other section where they actually select a number, not, not list the actual bed, they select a lower number. So let's say they have three bedrooms, three beds, plus a uh, 
foldable couch bed. So they'll say four down low in the sleeping arrangements. Up top, they'll say three beds. But number of beds is a huge search criteria, a filter used on Airbnb. And so if you allow someone to sleep on it, then you should be counting it as a bed. So that number three should actually be four. And because it's three, you're missing out on all the guests who are searching for four beds. Your listing isn't even appearing. So that's the second tip. The third tip is something I think is specific to Airbnb. It's responding to reviews. And on my blog, I have a post about this, but not only should you respond to reviews, most reviews, but there's a specific way to respond to reviews, especially negative reviews and overly positive reviews. What, what most hosts do is they don't respond to reviews. And then when they get, and, and when, and I'm saying when specifically, because it will happen, when they get a negative review, no matter how good they, ho- they host, you will get a negative review. When they get that negative review, they'll re- they'll think, oh, I got to do something about this. Then they'll find out, oh, I can respond to it. And then they'll they'll write a huge long paragraph responding to this one negative review, which probably isn't even that negative. Mm-hmm. And I did this myself when I rented my, my, I rented my couch out, but I also rented my bedroom out in San Francisco when I went on vacation. I got one bad review and, and uh, I responded to it and then it just just an eyesore. So what all that does is it draws attention to that one negative review. So instead, what you should do is you should respond to most reviews, but especially for the overly positive ones where they're very long, Airbnb cuts it off halfway through. And also guests don't read. That's the running theme. So they're not going to read that whole thing. They're going to read the first few words. They see awesome, great. They're going to think it's positive and then continue to the next one. My advice is to pull out a bit of information, one piece of information from that long review, reply to the guest with that piece of information, maybe even a block a blog quote, um, like the, the location was second to none. If they said that in the review, then I would quote that in the, in the response. And then I would just very briefly thank them. That way it gives the guest kind of a cliff notes version to read. Instead of reading the long review, they can cliff notes. Okay. It's good. The guest said it's good location. Ah, the guest. Oh, I didn't know they had a rooftop balcony. I didn't know they provided uh, meals for the guests. So it gives a, it gives a cliff notes review. And then when you respond to that negative review, it doesn't call. It doesn't call added attention to it. You still should respond to negative reviews, uh, but there's also a way to do that too, where you're not blaming the guest and you're just very briefly, quickly responding to it. That that is a great point because you see that a lot. You you know, particularly on on HomeAway review, uh, HomeAway reviews. You know, some somebody will have a raft of five star reviews, and then somebody uh, with no responses, and then somebody posts a, a two, three, or four star review. And then there is this long defensive response that argues every point that was made. <laughs> and and it's, yeah. it just stands out like a sore, sore thumb because a, a, a guest is just going to hone straight in on that negative review and the negative response. And it will speak volumes about the host. Yeah. And that's the... You, the, the, your host, any anyone who's doing this short-term rental, they need to get it, get out of their normal mindset and get into the entrepreneurial small business owner mindset. Um, and in this specifically, what I'm referring to is in this case, the customer is always right. So you can't respond to them as if you're a one-to-one, a, a person on the street talking. You're now a business owner, and other and your reputation is at stake. So you have to. The customer is right no matter what, and you need to respond correctly and thoughtfully to that without blaming them, et cetera. I love the idea of pulling something out of the guest review and then referring to it directly. That, uh, you know, as you say, the Cliff's Notes, that's, that's an excellent idea. 
What other suggestions have you got for owners to actually improve their hosting? And let, let's talk about um, this offline hosting style as well. So, so we're not really sort of into the listing now, but what about the actual physical aspect of hosting? There's two aspects to hosting. It's your offline presence and your online presence. Online is what we've been talking about. How optimized is your listing? But your offline is everything you do for the guest when they arrive. And that's everything from, you mentioned lawn chairs earlier, free lawn chair rentals. That's the interior design of your place. Do you offer airport pickup or chef service or are you going to stock the fridge? Or even simple things like, is the Wi-Fi code provided easily to the guest? If your area is very bikeable, do you tell them where the nearest bike rental station is? Do you provide bikes? Do you provide quality toilet paper or do you provide that toilet paper that's th so thin that someone knows they're on vacation in someone else's house? So these are all these offline aspects that eventually make it into the online aspect through the reviews. I like the example about toilet paper because it seems such a simple thing, <laughs> but to somebody who, who's perhaps reading somewhere that this is a home away from home, and then finds that, hmm, not so much. Exactly. That's, that, that's one of my pet peeves. I don't get it. And it, it, any hosts who are doing that now, I don't think you even save any money because the guest probably just uses twice as much. Yes. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, that, that, that goes on to this whole issue. And we, we, we get this in the whole home rental market a lot. Do I, do I have to supply toilet paper for their entire stay? Or do I just do a sort of a get you in pack what about that yeah it really depends on what kind of host you are but the best host would do it for the entire stay and that's again it goes back to getting your guests acclimated do you want your guests to go out and have to buy toilet paper and have to buy olive oil it, that's that's a that's a that's a host decision one of the many host decisions you have to make for me toilet paper is absolutely provided yeah, I go along with that too. And I, but I, you know, I, I on some of the forums, and I see this argument like I'm not spending all that money on toilet paper. You know, I've got five bedrooms and, and, and five bedrooms and five bathrooms, and I think it doesn't matter whether you've got five bedrooms and five bathrooms or one bedroom or one bathroom. You're charging a different amount. You know, you're you're charging for your five but five bathrooms a lot more than the person charging for their one. So what actual difference does it make? You're still going to make this, you know, a similar amount of, of, of profit, um, one would hope, regardless. I, I'm definitely on the supply everything side. But then I, I don't know, I'm, I'm into the pet friendly and never charge for dog. Do everything for your guests so they don't have to lift a finger. That's the side I fall on. I know there's many, many people who don't. Something just came to mind which ties in kind of getting your guests acclimated to the neighborhood, the guest book, and the offline aspect kind of ties it all in. Uh, I'm in an Airbnb now, like I said, in San Jose, Costa Rica, and the host, as most hosts don't, don't have a guidebook. And so I realized a few days in, oh, where do I empty the trash? And so there was no information, and I'm, in, I'm actually staying in the top floor of a uh, – it's a restaurant on the, on the lower floor, but it's like a house, so I'm staying in the upstairs of the restaurant basically – um, and so the, I had to ask the, I, I emailed the guest through Airbnb and said, how do I do this? And then they said, oh, it's, it's certain days of the week. Uh, just ask the guy in the restaurant. So, okay, that's fine. But again, now I have to go and ask the, remember to ask the guy in the restaurant. So I go and ask the guy at the restaurant. 
he says the days he says uh, the next day that it's available. Okay, it's not today; it's tomorrow. So the next day, I forget about it, and then so I have to go back and ask him. Okay, well, I forgot about that day. When's the next day? So so he tells me the next day. Okay, now it's Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and then when Friday comes around, um, you put it out Thursday night, and this was this was actually last night. But then last night I realized uh, I don't know what time I could put it out. Can I put it out at 6 p.m. or or do I have to put it out at like 10 p.m. when it's really dark out and no one's on the street? Because you just you just put the I learned that you just put the trash bag on the street and then they pick it up early the next morning. So uh, so at that point I didn't want to go down the stairs uh, for the third time and then with the garbage in my hand and then realize oh you can't put it down yet. So I kind of just forgot about it. So this, this is one of the things. If she had a guidebook and she said the days and when you put it down, uh, then I wouldn't have had to ask her. I wouldn't have had to ask the person downstairs. And it would have had a better experience for me because now I don't have a, a trash bag in my house for, for three days. That odor can linger longer than, than your stay and it can linger right into writing a review, I'm sure. Maybe not for you, but for, for many people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 the end of the reservation is most, most important for your review. That's why, um, that's why you don't see many terrible check-in reviews because after you check in and have a bad experience, after three or four days, you kind of forget about it. But at the very end of the reservation, if something's negative, then your, your chance of negative review just skyrockets because it's most fresh in the guest's memory. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go along with that. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's always been the same, has it? First impressions and last impressions. Um, but last impressions are the ones that usually matter the most. So, Danny, I, I can't believe how the times how the times gone. I did say when we talked before we started recording, I think we could probably talk for a lot longer. Unfortunately, we we don't have a huge amount of time here, and I would like to give you the opportunity to tell the audience about your book and how they can get a copy and any of your other services. So, it's over to you for your pitch now. Yeah, sure. Thanks. I, I wrote a book. I, I got the idea when I was staying in uh, Estonia, and I wrote a book, and it was finally published in early January this year. It's called Optimize Your Airbnb, The Definitive Guide to Ranking Number One in Airbnb Search, and it's a book of strategies, and they're strategies for the beginner, uh, for the intermediate and the advanced host. If you're a beginner, you'd still benefit from it, but I'm not covering the really basic stuff. Um, you go to my blog for that. So you can find information about that book and buy it through the book website, optimizeyourairbnb.com. And my main website is optimizemyairbnb.com. And I encourage folks to go to that blog and, and have a look at um, my blog material because I, it really is helpful. And I get, I get comments on my chat all, all the time. Uh, I read all of your blog posts, which is always uh, always amazing. Also, the, the reviews where they say, hey, I have many reviews saying, oh, I read this book, your book, in two days in an afternoon. I mention that because at some point you're writing a book and you realize how many edits you're doing. Oh, I don't know if I'm providing value anymore or if I'm making it worse. So I'm glad that I was continually uh, improving the book. Yeah, those are, those are my two services, and uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be doing this for, for a long time. And um, you honestly, you don't need me until your your occupancy or you're not happy with something. If you have a lot of high occupancy and you're happy with your nightly rates, um, then people will come to me and ask, and I'll say, just wait, just wait till you don't have high occupancy and you're not happy with rates, which will come eventually. There'll be a lag eventually. I will put a link to optimize your Airbnb, the book, and people can go have a look at that, have a look at the blog, and 
so they can go buy your book um, from from your site. I have absolutely loved talking to you, Danny. I think um, you you say in your in uh, one of your profiles that you live, eat, and breathe this business, and as I do, so I, I guess you know, like-minded people, we could probably talk about it for uh, forever. But for now, I'd just like to really thank you for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I've been following you for a while, so I, uh, thanks so much for having me on. And hopefully, we'll do we can do a, an update in six months' time or so. That that would be perfect. Uh, I you know we will we will be in touch. So uh, so thank you so much. So huge thanks to Danny for sharing so much with us. I got uh, yeah as a as an up and coming Airbnb host, I got a lot of tips from that, and and even more from his book. Uh, optimize your Airbnb. As he mentioned, he offers other services to Airbnb hosts. His uh, Airbnb Superhost listing optimization, which is really sort of a done-for-you service. And then he has a uh, what he calls the Airbnb Startup Host listing optimization. So, so you can get a number of pages of organized content on how to build an optimized listing to rank specifically, to rank high in search on Airbnb. And Danny's giving away a couple of these listing optimization packages. For those of you who decide you want to comment on this post, ask a question, let us know whether you're doing Airbnb or whether you're considering it. Uh, I'd really love to hear from you. I'd like to hear from any host, whether you're already with Airbnb or whether you are considering it and whether you found this helpful. So for every five comments on on the post, Daniel's going to offer this uh, startup host listing optimization package um, up to about three. So I don't normally get 15 comments on the post, but, you know, if you do comment, you've got a one in five chance of, of picking this up. So if you go to um, www.cottageblogger.com and podcasts, you will come across uh, episode 220. Eight, I believe this is. So it'll be cottageblogger.com forward slash VRS228. And then you can read the show notes. You can uh, get to all the links of the resources that we discussed in our conversation. So it's very motivating to me as somebody who is looking at a current investment in a property and I am buying this property to live in to be my my home, probably my retirement home, but also to have as an Airbnb investment as well. So I'm going to have an entire floor of this home that I'm going to rent out on Airbnb. So it's part of the whole investment. Really interesting concept because it's not something I've done before. I've always bought properties, independent whole homes that I have I have listed and never lived in. So I'm really excited about this and we'll be documenting this um, on the way forward because the house I'm currently looking at is in the process of being built. So I can design it in just about the, um, the way I want it to be. So hopefully this all comes, comes off. Uh, I'll let you know in, um, in future uh, episodes. So for now, and once again, thank you so much for listening through to the end. It's been an absolute delight to be with you. And um, you're going to be hearing from me next week. 
This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. Oh, 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 oh